0: Welcome, everyone, whether you're here live in person or online to week two of our series entitled The Best Gifts. Thanks, Jillian, for sharing your best gift stories, and I promised her that I would not preach today from a Yoda mask, so that's good news for you uh, as well. Uh, Just really quickly before I get in, I want to talk to you specifically, our our live in person audience, and I'll... I'll say something to you as well, online audience. I just want to thank you for participating in our health restrictions that allow us to continue to offer in-person services. I know it's not convenient, contact tracing, wearing masks, physical distancing, all these things. But you're doing a great job. Keep on keeping on. Keep helping us serve you in this way, and we can continue to launch into bigger and greater things uh, moving forward An online audience i know you're doing your part as well as you're out in public doing what you need to do to make sure that you are covid safe so thank you again 2020 is coming to an end 2021 is going to be a great year i want to tell you about uh, a year in the life of my journey so far and that's 1989. That was the year when my favorite team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, lifted the Grey Cup, the CFL champions for the season, and because it happened in November, Christmas was yet to come, and that always gets me excited as a young little guy, looking forward to what Christmas would offer us. I've got a younger sister, she's a great person, One of the gifts that she does not have is keeping secrets, and so what she would do is she would find ways to discover what it was we were receiving for Christmas and tell me way in advance of Christmas Day, so I knew that something big and significant was coming my way that Christmas, Christmas 1989. I was into action figures and video games, and so it had to be one of those two things, and the day arrived, and I opened Rolling Thunder. Now you might be thinking, what is Rolling Thunder? It's this massive G.I. Joe ATV type vehicle. It could fit 15 guys on it, missiles. It had a mini vehicle within it. It was awesome and amazing. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was what I would consider one of my best gifts up until that point in time in my life. But here's what happened over time. Even though that it brought me so much joy, it brought me so much fun, I didn't like it forever. I got bored of it next Christmas I wanted something new, I wanted something shiny, I wanted something different. And isn't that the truth about the gifts that we often receive? We enjoy them for a season and then we want something new or we want something different. In this series, the best gifts, we're looking at the gifts that Jesus gives to us. Some of them, we're highlighting them and they are gifts that we need We need to embrace and actually can last forever if we are willing to let them infuse us the way that they're designed to. This week, we're going to look at peace. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at one verse. It is verse 27 in this text. If you don't have a Bible with you, do one of my favorite things, and that's hop on your app store, download a Bible reading app, and you can join us, John chapter 14, verse 27. It says this, "'I am leaving you a gift.'" Peace of mind and heart. The peace I give, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Really potent statement that Jesus makes here in this conversation. And it's actually part of a larger conversation that he is having with his friends around him. It's called his kind of last kind of end of days sort of conversation, the last things that he wants them to be aware of. He's talking about a whole bunch of stuff about leaving, how he has to die a death so that we can live forever, and then right in the middle of all that conversation, he utters that phrase that we just talked about in verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of heart and mind, The peace I give, the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And so what we're going to do is going to dissect that phrase by phrase here today. The first is, I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Have you ever had somebody tell you that, hey, I've got a gift for you. I've got a gift for you. And then that person didn't follow through on that. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you you bumped into a neighbor like, oh yeah, I've got something for you. And like three months later, you're still waiting for that something. Maybe you yourself have unfortunately been that person where you're like, I know I've got this for this person, but I keep forgetting it at home and I don't know when I'm actually going to give it to them. Sometimes when somebody tells us that they've got a gift for us, we don't know how to take that, okay? Is this Is this going to be a good thing or is this a bad thing? Sometimes as a pastor, people will be saying to me like, hey, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, is this a good thing or is this going to be like hypersensitive criticism about something? Is it going to be interesting or is it going to be awesome? What is it going to be? We get a little bit nervous when people are like, I have something for you. Wait a minute. I know what's in that brown plastic bag thing. I don't want it. It's dirty laundry, isn't it? When Jesus says something, though, what he says transcends all of our experience on a personal level, transcends it all. When he says something, he follows through on it entirely, it's his integrity. It demands that he does it. In fact, he's done everything that he ever said that he would do except one thing, which is return a second time and bring us all into the afterlife with him. He hasn't done that yet, but he will because he's done everything else that he said he would do. So when he says to his friends, the original hearers of this conversation, and now you and I today, I am leaving you with a gift. You can guarantee, that's like insider trading, it is going to happen. There's 100% certainty when it comes to it. So you don't have to question it or second guess it. It is happening. It has happened. Because he said it would. Okay, so if he said it would, and I get that, and it's Jesus, and he follows through on what he said, so what is it that he is leaving us with? Well, let's look at that next little phrase peace of mind and heart peace of mind and heart. When I say the word peace, what comes to your mind? How would you define it? When I asked myself this question this week, I actually thought of, okay, the absence of conflict. That's got to be what peace is, the absence of conflict. Did you know that there's more to peace than that? The Bible was written in two original languages, biblical Hebrew and Greek, and it's been translated into a variety of different languages over time. In the English language that you and I get to enjoy here today, it's been translated from those original texts. And the two words in the Bible associated with peace are this, shalom in the Old Testament, which is the From Genesis all the way to the book of Matthew, that's considered the Old Testament. That was written in biblical Hebrew, and the word was shalom to describe peace. In the Greek portion of the Bible, from Matthew all the way to Revelation, the word that was used to describe peace in that language is erini, erini, shalom and erini. And when you dig into what those mean, they mean more than just the absence of conflict. They mean wholeness. Or completeness, wholeness, or completeness, peace of mind, peace of heart, completeness for your mind and your heart. As many of you know, we have five kids at home, all of them have wonderful names. Our youngest is named Paxton. Paxton's name actually means town of peace, it seemed appropriate. To have the fifth child out of five be bringing that into our household absence of conflict, wholeness, completeness, peace. If you know Paxton, he is anything but a peaceful child. He is filled with energy and tenacity. He takes down his soon to be 12 year old brother in wrestling matches, stands on top of him, and says, I win, I win. He's intense, he's awesome. But he did bring a layer of completeness to our family, because after his arrival, I uttered these famous words borrowed from Jesus, it is finished. (laughs) My favorite phrase was actually, this is the last Frizzell for the next 20 years. Paxton's amazing, and I love him, and the energy that he brings to our family. He brings a level of wholeness and completeness to everything, the peace That Jesus is talking about is that kind of peace wholeness and completeness in fact when he said those three famous words on the cross dying his gruesome death it is finished he meant peace peace it is finished it's complete it's done for our mind and for our heart what does that mean for our mind does your mind race Does it think thoughts that are a variety in nature, sometimes good stuff, sometimes not so good stuff, sometimes stuff in the middle? Do you ever think something that you find out to be untrue? That snowball that happens, you know, it takes a little bit of momentum and then it takes on a life of itself. The anxiety related to how we think, all that kind of stuff. What Jesus offers us is peace for all of that. Peace for our minds, wholeness and completeness. We don't have to second-guess him. We don't have to second-guess the gifts that he's given us. We don't have to second-guess the opportunities that he invites us into, the story that he is writing for us, all that kind of stuff. He offers to us freely in the form of peace. Peace for it all. Our anxieties, our questions, our uncertainties. Everything in that moment, he gives us peace. it's not just for our mind it's for our heart see sometimes what we feel leads us to a different conclusion than what is current reality and Jesus gives us peace even for our heart when we feel betrayed or abandoned or confused or frustrated or angry or nervous or anxious or any of that stuff Jesus gives us peace for all of that See, sometimes the way we feel about things, as I've said, isn't actually indicative of current reality. And far too often, the way that you and I feel shapes how we choose to live and move and breathe. And sometimes the way we feel is just slightly off of what is actually true. You don't know this about me, but I'm deathly afraid of sharks. So much so that I will not wa- watch Shark Week on Discovery Television because I'm afraid that those sharks are going to come through the screen into my living room and start gnawing on a piece of my anatomy. I feel intimidated by them. However, if we're out swimming by the ocean and my kids are playing in the water and that wonderful Jaws theme starts playing in the background, and there's a fin that pops out of the water, you best believe I'm going to put my feelings to the side and I'm going to rescue my children from that environment. Sometimes what we feel isn't actually true. Our emotions are a wonderful gift that God gives to us. They make us unique, but we're supposed to pair them with what we know and then live from that space. And the peace that Jesus provides is for both of those parts of who we are, our mind and our heart. We can trust him in the way that we think and in the way that we feel. There's wholeness and completeness. Things make sense over time when we trust Jesus. Things feel right over time when we trust Jesus. The wholeness that we desire intellectually or emotionally is only rooted in him. Okay, so what's next? The peace of heart and mind. I can get behind that. What's the next phrase? Okay, peace of heart and mind. The peace I give, the world cannot give. The peace I give, the world cannot give. That's what Jesus says. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Here's where you and I get into trouble all the time. We search for that wholeness and that completeness in everything outside of Jesus. Man, if I just get that promotion at work, then I'll be satisfied. If I just get this new experience, then I'll be satisfied. If COVID would just go away, then I will be right again. Things will be back to normal. The problem is we keep chasing for that next thing, and it's just like rolling thunder in my household. It satisfies for a moment, but not forever. We're always going to be looking for that next thing, that next experience, that next stuff. We'll become consumers of all these things. And before we know it, we're going to be embracing everything but Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've had the privilege of having open and honest conversations with people who are telling me something like, I just wish I had fill in the blank. I've even said that. If I only had fill in the blank. And then I get that thing, and guess what? Something else wants to fill in that blank. St. Augustine says it like this. Our souls will be restless until they find rest in God alone. We're always going to be looking for something else until we find rest in God alone. The band Plum says it like this. There is a God-shaped hole in all of us. A God-shaped hole in all of us. We can try to fill it with everything else but God, everything else but Jesus and the peace that he offers, all the pleasures in the world, all the treasures in the world, all of those things, and nothing will fill it except for the presence of Jesus, the peace, the gift that he gives. And it is a gift that the world cannot give, no matter how desperately it tries it cannot give you the wholeness and the completeness that you crave. Maybe you're like, Jason, I just don't believe you. And that's good. You could choose to believe that. But I will say this to you Is what you're doing right now bringing you exactly what you desire? Probably not. It's because the world cannot give this gift that Jesus gives, it's incapable. Only Jesus can offer wholeness and completeness. Okay, so I get that. He gives me a gift. I know what peace is. Now what? The world can't give it. Only He can give it. So what does that look like? Well, He ends that phrase with this So don't be afraid or troubled. Don't be troubled or afraid. What does that mean? I mean, I can't question anything. I can't think different thoughts. I can't, I'm getting confused here. What does that actually mean? Don't be troubled or afraid because I, I feel troubled a lot. What he's saying is don't live from that space. He's created you to think. He's created you to feel. Those are wonderful gifts that we've been given, our minds, our hearts. But don't live from that space of unsettledness or fear. Live from the space instead of being filled with peace in your mind and in your heart. In a different part of the Bible, Jesus says this to his friends. He says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The truth is, life is going to stink sometimes, it's not going to go the way that we planned. How many of you have planned out a global pandemic in 2020? Honestly, none of you. Okay, that's good. We're all living through it. A season that we hadn't planned, we didn't ask for, maybe we don't even want. But take heart. In this world, we will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. Instead of letting our circumstances, our situations drag us down, we can live with confident hope and peace that God is bringing wholeness and completeness despite what we're facing and experiencing right now. Sometimes it's not going to feel like it. Sometimes the facts or what we think the facts are aren't going to line up with that reality. But the truth is the gift that Jesus gives, the best gift in the form of peace, never runs out and never gives up. And it brings wholeness and completeness over time in every situation, in every space, in every environment. The challenge is you and I actually not only believing that, but experiencing that in a personal way. If I would do a poll anonymously here, this, here today and ask you how many of you are feeling a layer of unsettledness in some avenue of your life... I guarantee the majority of us would be, yes, that would be me. And maybe it's in the form of relationships. Maybe you're, you're hoping that this new one that you started or the old one that's become new again is going to give you what you need in that moment. You're experiencing that layer of unsettledness or incompleteness. Maybe some of you are just trying to figure out where's the next grocery bill coming from. How are we going to provide for ourselves in this season? COVID has gone a lot longer and a lot more interesting than anybody ever anticipated, and I don't know what's next. Maybe it's navigating some realities for some ailing parents. They're getting older. We've just put them in a long-term care home, and right now that feels like a death sentence in our province with COVID running rampant in those environments. What are we going to do there? And we need the peace of Jesus to come alive in each one of those spaces, in each one of those environments. And the truth is that the peace has already been given. It's just sometimes we don't know how to use a gift that we've been given. Sixteen years ago when we got married, we got a bunch of different gifts. My favorite is we ended up somehow with five electric knives I don't know how you need five electric knives. I didn't even know what an electric knife was for. I gave away four of them, and I kept one just, just because you never know when you're going to need an electric knife. And then I started cooking things like whole turkeys and big roasts and hams. And I found out that that sharpened, keyword sharpened electric knife is very, very useful when you're carving things. Sometimes the gift that we've been given, we don't know how to put to use. So, how do we put peace to use? There's two things. Number one, acknowledge that it's been given as a gift. Acknowledge that it's been given as a gift. Jesus said, I am leaving you with this gift. Didn't say, I will leave you. Sometime in the future, I am leaving you this gift. It's been given. It's yours to access if you have a relationship with Jesus. It's already there. Acknowledge that it has been given. The second thing that you can do now is take that gift and apply it to all of those areas in your life where you feel are troubled or afraid. Troubled or afraid. How's that look like? Walk that through with me, Jason, in a real practical way. You might be afraid of the future. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you don't know where your marriage is headed because you're in a little bit of a rocky time. Maybe you don't know where one of your kids is going to end up because they're doing some really dumb things. That thing right around there, that's called fear fear of the future, the unknown. What's going to happen? So you take that gift of peace, you say, Jesus, right now I feel afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do in this situation. Help me to feel whole and complete and rest in you despite what I don't know. You apply it in that way. The uncertainties that we feel. The uncertainties that trouble our minds and our hearts. We invite that gift that's already been given to permeate, to saturate every element of those things that keep us awake at night. And we keep doing it and we keep doing it, and we keep doing it. That's what it means to receive that best gift of peace and apply it to our lives. I understand it's not easy. I get it. Life isn't easy. Anybody who says it is isn't telling you the truth. Life is challenging. Life is fun. Life is full. And these best gifts that Jesus gives us are exactly what we need to live life according to the way that he's indi- designed for it to be lived. And peace is a huge part of that. So in a few moments, we are going to pray. And as we pray, what I want you to do is I want you to call to mind all those things that are troubling you or making you afraid. Every single one of them. If you're like, oh, hey, well, that's easy, Great. Make a list of it in your brain if you want to write it down or on your phone or whatever you want to do, make a list. And then what we're going to do is we are going to collectively and individually in this space right here, right now, invite Jesus into every one of those things, every single one, every single one, invite him to bring completeness and wholeness, the shalom, the arini of the, the Bible right into our lives. So let's go to a time of prayer. Father, I'm grateful that we can cry out to you in our moment of need. I'm grateful that the gift that you give, this peace, isn't something that has an expiry date to it. I'm grateful for that, Lord, but I'm also, I gotta confess that sometimes it's hard for me to rationalize that in my heart and in my mind. It's challenging. I don't get it. I don't always understand it. I don't always experience it. And so, Lord, I I just want to declare for myself and for everyone gathered in this space and tuning in online that we desperately need you to help us with this. Help us learn to use this gift that you've given us in all the areas of our life. The relational pain that's coming to mind, the confusion, the lack of friendships, the uh, the distorted reality of what our work looks like moving forward, the brokenness and trust or, or memories of pain or anything like that, God, would you bring peace into those environments? The anxieties that bubble up in our brains and in our hearts, would you breathe peace into those spaces? Would we learn to stand confidently in the hope that we have in you and in the peace that you provide. Knowing that life isn't going to be perfect, but it's going to be great and wonderful and abundant. Meaning the best version that we can have when we trust you in all facets of our lives. Help us experience your peace in a deep and meaningful way so that we can be ambassadors of that wherever you send us in our own environments, our own families, our own workplaces, our own neighborhoods. Would you help us rest in your peace and live from that space? I pray this in your name. Amen.